Okay. Um, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining. Um, okay. This week, I also don't have presentations, but I think we have a list of uh, good questions. And you know, now it's like uh, earning seasons, right? So there are more all these uh, company-specific topics to talk about. Uh, I think in the past week, we talked on Netflix a lot, right? Long discussion in the group. Um, I have prepared one video just released yesterday. Um, I'll still prepare, let's say, a couple more videos, like those short uh, uh, five minutes type of videos. So uh, yeah, just, just pending some some works on the editing side. Uh, so I'll, I'll do that. While well, these questions still come in, where are the two? <laughs> Yo, still come in. Please, la, please, la, I'll, I'll remove all these questions. Uh, we, we keep all the good questions. The rest uh, that's making fun of others, we won't go through that. Uh. Okay, uh, let's start with the first question. Uh, anyone got lost pawn to share mine uh, negative 25% yesterday, uh, year to date? I think in, in the past, we used to share all these lost points, right? Like daily uh, losses. And then I think it has been quite some time that uh, no one has sharing it. I think it's also because the volatility in the market is not so high until like like uh, last fri Friday, right? I think that was also like dropped around 3%. Um, I think let's say in 2020, there are periods that drop, let's say more than that, right? 4%, 5%, uh, you, you see quite a number of people sharing their lost pawn, see, see how much they lost uh, just within a single day. Okay, uh, I'll go through my first. Anyone else want to share, uh, can, can also share later. I'll just uh, pass, well, walk around, see who want to, who want to comment. Kev, I, I know you guys are all quite curious when I look in looking at uh, other people's accounts, see how much people mix, right? Whether it's positive or negative. I go through mine first. Uh, so this is interactive brokers, right? Uh, portfolio analysts, we can actually choose uh, to, to take a look at how much uh, of the returns. So the headline numbers, right? I think started out uh, this year for 420K, now left with 361K. This is like huge drop, right? So almost 60,000 loss. But this is actually including the money that I put in. I actually put in 24,000. So total loss here, you can calculate, right? It's around 82,000. But if you calculate from November, it's even worse. Lah. Then uh, in terms of return, negative uh, 19%. So not that different from uh, our friend here. 25% uh, year to date, right? So uh, yeah, mine is 19. So about the same. Yeah, I, I think in terms of uh, where are the losses come from, I think mostly uh, those names like, you know, even Alibaba's, I think I cut my position somewhere in between, right? Before those, b before I cut, there's some losses also. And then Chinese tech not doing that well. And then uh, US growth stocks also not doing that well. So overall, I think my, pos my portfolio in terms of beta, right, is still higher than S&P 500. Because if you look at S&P 500, I think... Um, Mostly those energy stocks and bank stocks are doing uh, relatively well, right? Mine uh, more towards tech, so the beta is slightly higher. So underperform S&P 500 during like all this uh, downturn or downtrend period, right? I think this is should be expected. But when I look at this number, like negative 19%, uh, I, I was a bit shocked. So I thought uh, my, my number was around, let's say, negative 15%. Uh. Yeah, so that's um, my return. Um, I think nothing much. Uh, that, that's all I want to share. Uh. Uh, unless you guys have any questions, you guys can also ask. Um, I'll just see anyone else want to share your lost pawn? Winston, why not you start first? <laughs> how, how much is your return? Oh, uh, my return now is I think minus 8.14%. 
just now you, you said uh, Hong Kong index dropped by how much? Uh? Sure we can yeah, look at the chart no, no charts here because I always depend on Stock Cafe and Stock Cafe is telling me that the the tracker fund, which is uh, the ticker code is 2,800.hk. Um, the performance year-to-date is minus 10.5. S&P 500 is minus 8.53. And uh, Singapore index fund is wow wow seven point seven five. So this year royally gets smacked by Singapore index fund. <laughs> the, the best performing right Singapore compared to all the one that you are watching at. Uh, I can't say the best performing. Yeah, I mean I have only looked at three index funds. So S and P five hundred, uh, Hong Kong and Singapore. So Singapore one is the runaway leader. But then again, if you look at long term, since ever since I started, uh, the Singapore Index Fund actually has about twenty three percent better than the Hong Kong Index Fund. But uh, it's like maybe close to one hundred or ninety percent less than S and P five hundred. Yeah, I mean over the last six years that I've invested. I'm sharing the chart here. It's really. Wow, I, I still remember as of end of last year, everyone is saying that, okay, SDI is not something that we, we can invest, right? Uh, it's, it's moving too slow. It's exactly during period like this, right? Where the market goes downturn for US markets. And then you can see the STI. It's not like saying STI is very good. It's just that they are kind of isolated from all this uh, volatility that's happening uh, around the world, right? Because for uh, Hong Kong stocks, Especially if you look at Hong Kong, I, I mean, chi- Chinese stocks are like Alibaba, uh, Tencent, all these, they are still not doing that well. And then on the US side, all the growth stocks crash badly. And now the one that's surviving is STI and all the boring stocks, like, I think. <laughs> uh, because if you look at 2020 and 2021, it seems like STI is doing very badly, especially 2020. Uh, STI is minus eight. Whereas everybody else is pretty good, especially SMP has a 16% uh, year to date for 2020. 2021 returns for SMP is like 20% more than, uh, than uh, what I call it, Singapore index fund. So well, during, during bad times, it doesn't do very well. During good times, it doesn't do very well. So people tend to disregard SMTI. Yeah, normal lah. Every time somebody so, starts saying that, that a certain asset class is a dog, right? It's time to buy that asset class. So STI is, is uh, continuing that trend now. <laughs> yeah, there's momentum there. I think that's quite interesting. Anyone else want to share your your year-to-date return? I'm looking at the chart. I see anyone want to... Or want to give any comment with regards to your portfolio, what's happening with your portfolio, or, or only me and Boonsong talking. <laughs> Let's say if there's any if there's any stock that you guys you guys want us to talk about, you can also just uh, leave the comment in the chat group. I'll, I'll try to monitor and then we can we can look at the chart and and discuss. Uh. Okay. If not, then we will just move on uh, to the next question. Yep. Okay, the next one. Uh, with Manga, Pasti, and being NVIDIA at the current state, price, news, development, what's one stock that you would buy now? I think this is also 
quite interesting. I think probably also because I, I have exposure in most of these uh, companies, right? So we talk about all these FANG stocks quite often in the group. But I don't know anyone else uh, that have exposure into this and have an opinion on, on these big tech companies. Okay, no. Okay, for um, then I try and answer these questions now. I think for me, right, I will uh, focus more on Amazon and Microsoft for now. It's not like saying um, they are doing better than the others. It's just that I have a, a fixed, I have a target allocations, right? And if I look at my target allocations, I think Amazon and Microsoft are the one that is uh, behind, uh, below my target allocations now. Um, I'm being trying to buy more into Amazon, uh, but. When I look at the financial numbers, I don't think they are that well. I mean, if you just compare Amazon versus, let's say, Tesla, right? I would say that Tesla numbers is actually the one that's outperforming the expectations, right? Expectation is already quite high, but they still uh, do much better. Um, the rest, I think NVIDIA also not bad. Uh, if we just look at uh, past, let's say, two, even three uh, quarters earnings, right? I think that's also because people don't have much concern with regards to the demand of their product. They are more like a supply constraint, similar to Tesla uh, situations, uh, meaning that, you know, uh, gamers that want to buy their GPU cards, they are not able to get that. Uh, there's just not enough supply, right? But one thing on NVIDIA is that if you look at uh, the news that's shared by YCX in the group, right, I think uh, in terms of their GPU cards, right, starting around current period onwards, I think in terms of supply, they have uh, quite in, in enough supply already. So you can see that the pricing of all these GPU cards, right, relative to the uh, MSRP is also uh, came down a lot uh, as compared to, let's say, the, the throughout one, 12 months uh, in the past. Now. Because let's say if we took at the, uh, look at the GPU cards, right, I think they launched around early last year. So the entire 2021, right, they don't really have uh, enough supply. It's very, very hard to get all those GPU cards. Now on the supply side, it, it, they have enough supply already. Then if they, I mean, if during this kind of period, if they can't sell more, right, then the problem is not on the supply, it's on the demand already. But one thing to note that is that their product cycle is around two years. So um, they know that. Uh, everyone knows that by end of this year, they will have uh, 40, uh, the RTS 40 series that's coming up, right? So there will be some uh, customer that will say, okay, why not uh, I just wait for another, let's say one year to, to upgrade my my uh, hardware and so on, right? So that one will also put some downward pressure in, on on the demand as well. But this is something uh, interesting to watch at, uh, to look at because I think that NVIDIA's result, uh, at least for the coming one or two quarters, right, I think will be shouldn't be disappointing now. That is uh, my view. Hope that that's, uh, we won't have situation right, like uh, Netflix or Facebook, right? Then the rest, I think they are just doing their things. Uh, um, they are, you know, stable up kind of situations. Uh. But uh, earnings numbers coming up next week. So let's see, uh, is there any companies that will have, uh, will, will encounter very bad results? Uh? I'm so, so curious to find out. I don't want to speculate too much on this uh, because, you know, it's just one week away, right? So, and, and I don't have much insight also. Okay, uh, anyone else just want to comment on, on these questions on big tech, uh, fang stocks, manga, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh. Anyone else want to give your view?
Okay, uh, if no, next one. Netflix explained that part of the slowdown is due to pull out of Russia, worry about others' tech that pull out also, especially AAPL and GOOG, as they are big percentage in S&P 500. Yeah, uh, let me comment on the Netflix first. Yes, part of the soda is because of Russia. So if you exclude out the Russia uh, impact, right, actually they grew, uh, I think 200k subscribers in uh, Q1. But I think the reason they dropped so much is not about that 200k, it's about the two things. One is they missed the guidance in Q1, right? Uh, Q1, initially they said they are going to add two, two millions. Now they don't add that two millions, they add like I think 200k. But because of 200k or 500k, I think small, small numbers. So that's a miss already in Q1. And then they said they are going to miss uh, or lose uh, another 2 million subscribers in Q2. That's why I think uh, all these analysts, they are already extrapolating this um, new message that come out, right? Because I think they only guide up until Q2. They, they didn't say anything about like the entire year for 2022, right? So uh, Q, Q3, Q4, we don't know. It could be like they, they will lose another two or three millions every quarter in uh, Q3 and Q4, right? We, we don't know. And all these changes that they're going to make, right? Like uh, getting into advertising, um, like uh, this cheaper tier, right? Uh, I, I mean, and the password sharing stuff, they are doing some stuff, some changes, you know, when they do these kind of changes, right, there's always execution risk, right? For example, they might piss off their customer. So so if that happened, right, if their numbers drop by 3 million, 5 million kind of subscribers, right, then I think that will put them in a very, very tough situation. So I think that's the risk that we are talking about. That's why the, the share price has dropped, right? It's not about like, okay, um, fundamentals as of now, as of Q1 has dropped so much. It's not the case. It's about like, okay, there's much more uncertainty compared to just 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 three months ago, right? That's why the, the share price has dropped a lot. But I think this is uh, for, for Netflix. I think um, if you ask a uh, different investor, right? I've seen comments that's very, very bearish. There's also comments that is very bullish also, right? Like still uh, having high conviction, right? So I think the, the opinion on this company is quite diverse. I think similar to Facebook, also also the same. Like for Facebook, when people looking at the revenue, net income, they would think that, okay, they are still very strong. Free cash flow is still very strong. Uh, the valuation is like almost the cheap kind of valuation, right? If you look at those who are bearish, then the situation also very extreme. So I think uh, I think that's healthy, right? Different different view uh, is fine. Uh, I, I'm kind of neutral, I mean, with, with these two names. Uh. Netflix, I still have three shares, um, not adding at the moment. Um, that's my long-term portfolio, right? I, I'm not, not adding, just, just for your information. So. Okay, others, I want to share anything on, on this topic uh, about, let's say, AAPL and Google uh, or, or Netflix? Okay, if no, I will skip. I, I won't comment um, Apple and Google. So I think it's, um, I, I don't have any things new to talk about, you know. Like they said, it's not like we have uh, new development that we can speculate on their directions, right? But for Google, I look at their share price. Uh, I think they dropped quite significantly. So also uh, shocked me a bit. I think I just not pull out the numbers, right? I think this is the, yeah, we can look at it together, right? Uh, okay. So if you look at the performance, right, all these big cap, right, all these fang names, if we look at the year to date numbers, um, of course, Facebook, uh, since Q1, they dropped, like, almost 50% gone, right? 
but the rest are still quite, uh, I would say quite stable. They track with uh, S&P 500 quite closely. I, um, then of course, NVIDIA, I think this is the, uh, for NVIDIA, NVIDIA is always the, the more uh, volatile one. Uh. So when they went up, they, they also went up more than the, the rest. It's just like a high beta kind of uh, stocks, right? Then the rest, I would say that you see, uh, yeah, Google, Microsoft, they, they dip almost to the, almost 20% already. Yeah, I think this is the situation. Uh, but in terms of development, I don't have much to share. So let's move on. If no comments from any one of you. Anyone worried about earnings? Because last year, earnings are so good. Apple, Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA, Netflix, uh, earning per share plus 50% to 100%. Slow down in those numbers, destroy them. I think slow down definitely will impact. But for analysts, they usually are more forward-looking uh, to the extent that one-year kind of forward-lookings. Let's say if you just look at Q1 numbers, um, I think that's not the worry. So mostly mostly it's like what, what kind of guidance that they are giving. Uh. If they are reporting some slowdown in the numbers and then they say uh, they are, uh, we are expecting further slowdown, right? Then, of course, I think a uh, situation like Facebook, I think it could happen. But I don't expect that kind of drastic uh, shouldn't be as much. Uh, but but don't don't expect that all these companies can only go up, right? Up and down is all quite normal. Anyone else want to share on this? Uh, do you want to share a view on, on these uh, questions? We are still on the line, right? Because I feel like I'm talking to myself already. <laughs> Okay, if no, uh, let's move on. Analysts are predicting one in three chance of recession. People who buy stocks last year has chance of lost years or decade. Mm. I'll go first. Lah. I think one in three chance of recessions, right? I think these are all makeup one. Lah. Uh, no way you can come up with uh, like this kind of probabilities because... I mean, recession, not so easy to predict. Right? If it is easy to predict, uh, we can say that market timing is easy, easy to make money, right? Using market timing, right? So, of course, there are some uh, indicators that can um, tell us the probability of recession is uh, nearer, right? So, for example, like those U-curve inversion, you, you can take that as an indicator. I think um, at least they can prepare us not to be shocked by anything that's coming. But the tough part is always the time, timing. For example, I can always tell you that the recession will come, but it could come in the next, let's say, six months, or it could come um, two, two years later, right? So that's the tough part, because if you say, okay, I think that recession will come, and then I just park my, my cash in, in, in cash account, right? Then are you comfortable to just keep in cash for like two years, three years, and, and just keep waiting, right? So I think that's the tough part because the waiting period, if um, they have a minor dip in the growth rate and then suddenly just pick up, right? Then you just need to tolerate uh, the situation that your money sitting in a cash account and then uh, any all your peers um, that are earning big monies from the stock markets, right? So, so I think it's hard to not formal in and that time, and you could formal in at a much uh, worse kind of pricing, right? Where, whereby the market already went up so much, right? So, so I think that's the that's the risk when you time the market too much, right? 
And so that's why I say DCA uh, is still, from at least from psychology perspective, is, is much better. So all these numbers, I would say, um, no need to focus so much, but you need to have the, you know, the mindset that, uh, or, or uh, some, how to say that, the mindset or some something that, I don't have to complete the sentence. You need to be prepared like, at least to, to, to see that, okay, recession could come. If not recession, uh, recession is two, two quarters of negative growth, right? Uh, it could be one, one quarter or it could be not like negative growth, but close to negative, right? Like 0.1% kind of growth, right? So stuck there, uh, not technically not recession, but still some, some slower growth. And that slower growth can also uh, lingering around, right? Like for example, you get 0.2% growth for three or four quarters, right? The economy just becomes stagnant, right? So, and, and that also could hurt the stock price because whenever you don't have much margin, uh, right, that, that your growth now is stagnant, right? People always say, oh, it could, it could uh, like just become negative, right? GDP growth could, could drop, right, uh, in, in next quarter. So when, when uncertainty increase, then stock price also will be affected. But I will say that this one, Mm, I don't know. Just just pre prepare for volatility rather than uh, trying to time it. Okay. Anyone want to step in here? Just just to chat a bit on this question. Okay. Let's move on. If some stocks in the is some stocks in the market cheap now or too expensive before? Yeah, I think this one, this question is a bit uh, generic. Like, I think we can look at some companies and and look at some examples. Uh. So I think just now I pull up, uh, like this is from Seeking Alpha. If you go to the charting, right, um, you, you can actually look at different metrics. Uh. So I think it depends on which company that you're looking at, then you might want to choose different metrics, right? But the simplest one, I think, especially for companies that are making money, right? right? For example, like NVIDIA, they are making money for sure. Just look at five years, right? And then uh, I look at that PE, you can see that, let's say 2017, 2018, right? Like their PE was around, let's say, around 50. Also not low because their growth rate was quite high uh, throughout this period also, right? But you, you see, uh, I think closer to the end of 2018, this is the period of uh, monetary tightening. And then there's also some slowdown in the growth as well. So you can see that their, their PE, right, they can peak at around, let's say, 50, and then it could drop to around 20, right? So this is this period, this kind of drop in valuations, right, it could happen to, to um, any period, right? For example, you see now um, they have a very very high, uh, very, very nice run up uh, after COVID, right? Then PE is at 100. Why, why the PE went up so much? I think also attribute to their, you know, all this, uh, uh, the entire new line of business on the data center, uh, doing that very, very well, right? Like all the hardware, software that they are selling is really becoming more important when it comes to uh, machine learning, AI stuff, right? So they usually essentially create like a, a new, business line that is even bigger than the uh, graphic card business. And hence you can see that the, and also their earnings also has been doing very well in the past two years. And now from P of 100, you can see that their PE now is already at 50. The question is, is 50 here same as 50 here? 
or actually the one one hundred here's uh, equivalent to fifty here because from fifty drop to twenty, you should be prepared to see forty percent drop, right? Now you can say that we already see fifty percent growth and fifty PE is already kind of reasonable. You can say that, or you can say that actually no, even fifty is still high. All this is because QE QE uh, Fed, Fed already pulling out the QE uh, liquidity. Hence, we should expect them to go back down to twenty, right? If that's the case, then uh, even one hundred fifty is not cheap, nah. But who who can tell, right? Like what kind of PE? Uh, is appropriate, right? Because even if you compare different period, their growth rate is also different, and then their their prospect also different. So it's it's very hard to generalize and say uh, whatever PE that is uh that it should be appropriate, right? This one is really up to each uh, in, uh individuals, lah. But for the other companies, right? Let's say if you look at Amazon, right? And for Amazon, I think people's uh, not looking at PE so much because their PE number, the, the E, right, is just not so meaningful to look at because they reinvest so much that sometimes their earnings will just drop to negative and then you don't see, uh, like, like it's, it's very, uh, how to say, when the E is too close to zero, they flip between positive and negative, right? Um, the, the PE is really not so meaningful one. What I've observed is that some people use the, um, this is enterprise value, value uh, divided by EBITDA. So I think they take up the depreciation and amortization and, and this EBITDA number is much more smooth, smoother as compared to the earnings, right? And if you look at this matrix, right? In the past, they are also quite high, let's say in the range of uh, 40, right? Around 40. Um, and then you can also see that during the COVID run up period, they can go up from around 25 to 45, right? And since then, this EBITDA also keep increasing, but the share price in the past one year, actually they have been uh, coming down, right? So if you look at the, in terms of valuations, it's already dropped to 25 uh, EV over EBITDA, which I think is, I wouldn't say it's very cheap already, right? Because it's always hard to say these companies are cheap, right? I think you can also only see a, a cheap company where the company's revenue is growing, earnings is growing, free cash flow is growing. Then suddenly the the uh, share price, the PE is like, okay, single digit the kind of companies. Then I would say, okay, really cheap. Even you can say Alibaba is cheap, I would agree. But for even for Amazon, I can only say that relative to, let's say one year ago or two years ago, right? Uh, valuation has came down a lot and now I can say it's reasonable looking at this chart, right? I can't say that this is in absolute terms is, is cheap, right? So it's, you see, even for tech companies, Amazon considered tech, Nvidia considered tech, tech right? You, you are actually seeing a different picture here, right? If you if you believe this is a good uh, a metrics to look at, they are they are quite affordable, right? Quite Quite reasonable. Any companies that you guys want to take a look at, then we, 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 can, we can see, right? Uh, this one, maybe we look at PE for Microsoft because they're also making money. So you can see, right? Uh, yeah, same thing, right? This is a COVID period. They are as low as around 24, right? Then from 24, just shut up to 40. And then now came back to 30. So is 30 reasonable, right? Or you can look at uh, 2019 period, also around 24, right? So even if you just say, okay, it should go down to 24, then I will I will buy, then you might want to wait for another 20% drawdown, right? 20% drawdown out of this 30 become become 24. So, so I think this is just, 
I mean, looking at PE, looking at all these metrics, it will give you some, how to say, some feel on where the valuation is, right? But I just don't want uh, you guys to like treat this one as like, okay, this is uh, how I should look at um, 30. Yeah, it should, it has to come down to 24, then only uh, I will buy. Like, like you, you try to optimize for like, okay, 30 is too much, I will buy at 28. This, this kind of things are uh, because, you know, if a business is good, right? And if you are really buying it for like long period of time, you just want to accumulate stocks, right? I, I think sometimes just overpaying a bit as long as the company is good, the prospect is good. Uh, in terms of risk, you are not looking at uh, some things that is very concerning, for example, in a situation like uh, Netflix or Facebook, this kind of situation, right? If, if no such concern uh, and the story is still playing out, right? Sometimes just pay a little bit of premium. I don't think that is such a big... Um, how to say, uh, it's not a bad idea just to pay a bit of premium and just buy first, you know, just have some exposure first, no need to go all in, right? And then over time, uh, as they execute, their earning increase, you look at, you look at that there's good result and then you can just keep on DCA and build the portfolio, right? No need to time all this like, uh, uh, like, well, it should be how much, how much PE, then only I buy that. So I think that's my, my suggestion, right? Because if you, if you pay too much attention to this also, right? Then in a way, you you become a market timer already. Like like if you say okay, thirty is expensive, then suddenly really drop twenty five and you bought right. You think that okay, you you bought twenty five and then PE move move back to thirty. Okay, it become a gain already. You are happy already, right? Then suddenly you go out to forty. Then you you be thinking okay, why not? Uh, forty looks a bit high. Why not I sell a bit first and then um then wait for it to come down to let's say 30 and buy back buy back in right do that kind of things just to optimize and hope that hope that even if the market just goes zigzagging i can get some return from from getting in and out right then i mean if you're having some small success doing this right then your style of investing will be more and more towards this kind of in and out in and out this kind of market timing even though you are not market timing using technical analysis looking at chart but you are market timing using all these valuation metrics right i also don't think that's a good idea sir, because there will be period that you know like tesla situation right like okay the, the company just execute well it go up the p just go up and then you sold already you can't get back in uh, it's too painful and then you just look at the company just continue to 3x 5x uh, that then you just uh, miss the boat right it's even more painful for those that never look at the companies right because you invested before and just be before they ran up that 3x or 5x then you just get up right i think that's the risk that you are playing if if you are getting in and out uh. so i think that's my my uh, uh suggestion uh. i think my my the, the philosophy that i try to promote is the Take this as as something that gives you a feel on uh, some assurance that the market is not as frothy as many people are describing, right? And then at the same time, just focus on building the portfolio, accumulate stocks over time. Um, just, just own the companies. If the company is good, just own it, right? Just hold it. Um, you will do well. Okay, uh, long, long, long comments from me. Uh, just look around, see anyone want to comment? Uh, help me out a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I think just now was uh, commenting on this question. Is some stocks in the market cheap now or too expensive? Just now we look at some example. Any other example that you guys want to look at can also let me know. But I think I when I talk, I kind of multitask and looking at the chat. Uh, if not, we will just uh, continue. Okay.
All right. Next one. Uh, any reason why your allocation to Google is quite low compared to, say, Amazon, Apple? Thinking its valuation is starting to look quite attractive. Yeah, I think this is a good question. Uh, I think it's really looking at the business model and not so much on, let's say, their valuation or their metrics. Uh, I, I 100% recognize that Google, right, in terms of their business model, it's just like, it's just like superb kind of business model, right? You just look at, uh, okay, search, you just look at Google search alone, it's really um, like, it's a product that the more people using it, right? Then with the data that people are feeding in, right? They can just make their product much better. So I think when it comes to search, right? Even, you know, sometimes I also don't know, uh, when I opened up the Bing, uh, the edge, the right? Sometimes the Bing came out. I, I did some search before. I don't think they are close to uh, Google search uh, quality. La. So I think in terms of product quality, they are top tier. And then with, with regards to YouTube, right? It's just that it's so much better than the, the, the others, right? And and the content on YouTube, these are like all pre, uh, produced by uh, YouTubers. They, they don't, I mean, YouTube, they don't have to... Uh, spend monies, uh, spend capex to produce content, right? All these content are generated by the by the YouTubers and then these are great contents, right? Uh, on the platforms, right? So th basically they just uh, run ads and then, I mean, the free cash flow just powering in, right? So so I think in terms of business model, I, I don't have, I, I think it's really like, it, it, you, you could even argue that they are better than companies like Amazon or even Apple's, right? I, I don't doubt that. Lah. But it's just that for me, I look at their, uh, let's say, I don't know, I, I won't call it culture. It's just that their business model, um, in terms of their values, maybe, right? I, I don't. I, I think mine is more aligned with uh, Amazon as compared to the others, uh, even Apple's, right? So I think that's um, my, my own preference. Uh, this is a bit on the emotional side already. It's not so much on like really logically looking at each one of them, right? Uh, that's that's one thing now. So I will say this is totally personal. Um, and then the second thing I will say that if we look at the uh, let's say root map, right? Um, if I look at Amazon, I think even just the cloud business alone, I think uh, they are their their growth for prospect is so much uh, larger as compared to let's say Google. Because they, they are, they're just barely starting, you know, in terms of AWS, we, we are not, they, they, if you can say that they haven't started. It's so small compared to ultimately what this business can become. So, so I think that they have this, uh, huge, uh, total addressable market that, that they are still working on. So that, that's one thing I am, I, I like Amazon a lot. And I don't think they want to maximize their earnings. Nah. For them, they, they are always like, um, reinvent and then, Pull their uh, put their capital back to the to the companies, and then just just create the futures, right? Just just be very innovative about it, right? So I think that's uh, Amazon culture. But when it comes to Google, I I think they have a lot of side bet. For example, like those uh, I think like all these self driving, they've been doing it for years, right? But um, I don't see something that. At least on their core business, I don't see they have a very very strong core business that 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 um that have huge prospects lah. It's it's a bit like a side bet, a small side bet here and there. Um, maybe their their cloud business, uh, they are trying hard on that just to grab market share, right? We we can see that, but I I don't think they, uh, in terms of their core business, they 
how to say they they don't I, I don't see them like really expanding a lot now. So I think that's the 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 feel that I got now. But in terms of business, I don't have a comments. Uh, in terms of uh, I don't have complaint now. I think they are they are great now. So if you believe their business model, all these things you think could return, I, I don't think that's a, a, a con- anything concerning, right? It's just that maybe let's say if there's any downturn in the market, right? Because their business is still based, based on ads, right? If their customer cut on ads, I think that they will hurt their financial. I think very hard to escape this. And this is n- nothing special, right? Let's say if there's any recession coming in, um, then Apple will sell less uh, iPhones. I think their financial also get hit, right? So, so I think all these are normal. Uh, but don't think that these are uh, tech companies, hence uh, they are not affected by recession. Right? So that's, that's the thing. Uh. Yeah, uh, again, long, long comment from me, even though I don't have a very strong opinion also. <laughs> Anyone else want to comment on Google or, or compare it to, to Apple, Amazon? Sometimes I wonder if I don't hit the record button, I don't put on YouTube, maybe we can have more <laughs> interactive kind of discussion, right? Because if not become bunty show already, just one person talking. Ayo. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, next one. Market crash. Good questions, right? We can look at all this, right? Uh, look at a chart. Uh, let's say just look at S&P 500, right? Uh, I, I like to look at all this, uh, you know, market drawdown. Uh, sometimes you look at, wow, market drop by uh, 3%, looks like crash, right? And then everyone talk about uh, chatting in the market, all red. You look at the, you know, the Finvis uh, maps, right? You look at the Finvis maps, it's just so scary, right? This is like a one-day drop. That every industry get hit, right? Wow, it's just painful to look at these things, all red. Then you look at the uh, drawdown, right? Drawdown, okay, for those who are not sure, drawdown, they are just looking at the uh, maximum point in the past and then just measure like now compared to the maximum uh, or highest uh, point, right? How much it has dropped, right? So you can see that for now, right? Actually, the drawdown for S&P 500, is this correct? The correct one, right? It's actually only at 11%. So you can actually verify this, right? So this is the chart. If you look at their, their percentage drop, right? You see, it's only around 10% drop, right? So actually, if you just look at their drawdown, it's only like less than 12%. It's not a lot, right? Compared to, let's say, uh, COVID crash, right? They crash one third, right? So one third crash, and it happens like within days, you know? Like like between uh, okay, weeks, not days. Uh, from around February, then they just sh- the drawdown just happened, right? You can, you can look at the, the chart, right? Very, very sharp drop. And once it dropped to this level, you can see that whoever DCA or whatever strategy that you are playing with, right? As long as you long the market with, with in the past two or three years, right? Then your account all dropped to negative already, right? But if you just look at the drawdown, I think, as, at least, let's say at least for now, it's just not much, huh? For ARC uh, ETF, maybe yes. Nah. For ARC, I think they dropped quite a uh, fair bit. Year to date, I think they dropped like 50%, right? If you look at their drawdown, 68%. But let's say in the past, okay, no. 
I think they only started around 2015, right? Um, I think drawdown like 40% happened a, a couple of times, uh, at least like two times, right? But this drought is really like 68%, almost like, uh, not almost, already two thirds gone, right? Left with one third, right? So I think this is like serious drawdown for sure, all these high growth names. Let's say if we just look at QQQ market crash, uh, current drawdown around 20%. So this is already at bear market. But if you look at in the past, you see the dot-com bubble burst, right? Their drawdown can go up to like 83% and it takes like how many years? 16 years to recover back, right? So this is like re really, really long. So we don't know if it is a serious bubble, it could take decades to, to recover. But let's say if it is like sh those very sharp crash and then it recover, right? You are looking at period like let's say end of 2018, so they recover quite fast. But come back to the question again, right? Um, market crash or is all this, all this, could it turn out to be like lost decade? Uh, no one will know one, right? Uh, yeah, but I think if you invest in individual stocks and you cannot take it right, then probably just invest in S&P 500. At least you are looking at a uh, drawdown numbers that is much uh, lower compared to individual names, right? Because if you invest in individual names, let's say just look at C, right? I think we discussed C also in the past. You see, current drawdown it could be seventy six percent, right? Meaning, meaning that if you invest in like very swear you invest in the you know the highest point, right? Then you put put in hundred k now left you twenty five k only, and if you leverage, then make even even worse, right? So, yeah, if you cannot take it have a diversified portfolio and then people say that okay they are going to do sniper theory uh the kind of things then if you, you you can't take it then just let other people earn the money and you can you, you just don't no need to earn the kind of money right sniper theory works well if you have a very uh you are very lucky and the stock just ran up and then you will be a happy man right but let's say this 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 kind of situation happened then i mean it's quite painful uh, i would say Okay, um, yeah, just a short commentary on this. Anyone else want to comment on market crash? Hey, Bunti Martin here. <laughs> Hi, Martin. Hey, just one question, uh, maybe um, about art counter, because I always see them trying to, uh, example, Tesla go up and they sell away, then they buy other counters. Do you think that they are doing market timing? And then later they, they buy back, buy in. So so I think the more they trade, I see their counter going lower and lower every time. Yeah. What I, is I, the I, view about uh, uh, or anyone's view about a counter? Yeah, I think for ARC, right, if you look at their results and if you just look at the result of their individual holdings, right, I think they, except for Tesla maybe, the rest, right, like Teladoc, Coinbase, all these names, right, I think they, they, their underlying also drop a lot. It's not like underlying stay the stay flat and then they just trade in and out and they just destroy uh like like sixty percent kind of return gone just because of trading in and out, right? Because they, they can't le leverage uh they can't leverage. So this is not a leverage fund, right? And then uh they can't do all this option stuff, right? So yeah, their money is mainly due to uh the timing, I mean, at least let's say if you look at past six months, that return dropped a lot. I think it's because the underlying also dropped. 
it's not so much about buying in and out that caused that huge drop, right? So I think that's uh, the, the impression that I have. But at the same time, I, I do recognize that if you look at their trades, they are in and out, in and out. And then if there's in and out, of course, you will see there will be examples that they buy low and then, I don't know, buy high and they sell low, right? So, but there's also situation where they sell low and then subsequently the price also drop, right? So essentially that, that trade, actually make them some money if they compared to if they don't do anything on it right so so i think that's also something that people may not pointing out because they are only selecting a, a couple of trades and say okay you see they, they bought this company and then they sold uh later at a lower price and then make a narrative right so i think in, in order to really tell you that whether there are all this market timing in and out whether it will uh generate uh, some alpha or not, right? You cannot look at examples, right? You have to look at, um, do some quantitative study and look at every trade. And then from every trade, right? You, you, you can calculate, see whether this timing component, whether they add to returns or, or not, right? And, and I don't have, uh, I, I, I don't know that. Uh, you need to run through the, the numbers, then only you can tell. Then the third point, right, is that I think sometimes they go in and out. It's not because, uh, they they are bearish on that companies. For example, if people selling uh, ARK ETF, right, and the the share price drop relative to the uh, underlines, right, and this ETF mechanism, right, like the creation of the units and redemption, they will kick in automatically. So once they kick in, right, uh, effectively from ARK perspective, is that they, they have to sell. So meaning that their investor pull out from their funds, right? They have to sell. So whether they sell uh, Tesla or they sell their Teladoc or they sell their Coinbase, right? They have to sell either one. And let's say if you compare to their uh, purchase uh, price, right? Let's say out of these three, right? They all purchase some shares uh, back then when their price is higher. So either way, they have to sell one of them, right? They just choose one to sell and then it can still be used to paint a picture that they are they are buy they buy high and sell low, you see. So so it's really not that fair to say that okay, you just look at these two example, three example, they they uh they buy high and sell low and and just attribute all this to to their market timing. Uh, it's very hard to say one. Uh, all this narrative, right? Uh, just need to be careful uh, because you cannot look at example and and conclude from there. People runs all this, right? It's, uh, let's say if come to uh, investment industry, right? The, anyone that's doing all this uh, performance analysis, right? This is like a dedicated team that uh, go and analyze the perf the manager's performance and try to attribute how they add values. Like are, are they add, adding values from stock selection, from market timing? Uh, is there any style drift? Um, is there any, uh, a lot of all these things, right? You can actually uh, attribute one, like, like all this breaking it down and then say, okay, these managers, they are doing well in, in which area. And then that kind of reports, from that kind of reports, then we can tell that, okay, whether they are doing a good job or not. If not, uh, we, if we don't have the data to run that kind of uh, reports, right? Uh, what we can say is just that, okay, I don't have all this attribution, I don't know. But at least what I can know is that from investor perspective, if I invest in ARK ETF, I just want to know my returns, right? Then what you can do is just look at their, their track record compared to S&P 500 or compared to QQQ, and then you can you can judge whether they are doing a, a good job or not, right? And if I look at their returns uh, since inception, right, we can actually look at it here. So, 
Let's say Thanks. um yeah long long answer uh, but let me closely uh close close this uh, answer uh this question by just looking at this uh, uh return right you compare their return um versus qqq right and spy right and if you look at since let's say inception right from the fund start right actually they're still outperforming s p 500 spy but they are now already underperform performing qqq right and we don't know like this this downtrend this this is like negative momentum right uh, if you understand, let's say take take a bit of reference from from uh, technical analysis or or just like factor things, uh, factor uh, perspective, right? Momentum, right, is down. If you want to predict their movement in the next three three six months, right, they are likely down uh, compared to up because there are people that will be shorting their stocks, right? So if this momentum continue, I don't know they can they can do worse than S and P five hundred, right? But now we are looking at like don't know how many years right five six years even longer right i don't know uh like let's say six seven years of track record right they are still above s p 500 if you go and pull out like three thousand list a list of three thousand managers how many of them can outperform s p 500 right i don't think you you get a long list you know i would say uh more managers underperforming s p 500 than outperforming s p 500 my my portfolio i started out uh, late 2017 now it's also underperforming uh, s&p 500. it used to outperform uh, s&p 500 uh, now now already underperform not so easy one to 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 do better but they are better right so this one you have to give credit to them right yeah and their their their, their call on tesla that was like a, a great call right so give some credit though <laughs> maybe they, they are able to spot the next tesla uh i don't know Maybe not. So also hard to say, right? Yeah. That's my comment. Anyone else want to share your, your insight with regards to questions that Martin just asked on art? Anyone else want to, to share with you? Uh, to talk here, I think the only real problem I see with art is the financial so far that they really moved the entire block of the out. Uh, even though they just bought like maybe weeks ago, so that, that was like the only only red red flag that I see with that. I can't say for the rest of the trade that they do recently. Uh, they usually just trade small blocks, so I don't think there's a huge problem with that as of now. But to say that Bitcoin will be worth a certain amount of money, or Tesla will be worth a certain amount amount of money that's so far fetched like the is quite quite mind blowing. So I don't know everyone to. Uh, have that kind of expectations. Yeah, that's all for me. Okay, thanks, Punso. So, sorry, your site is a bit noisy, so I think I also do, uh, yeah, I can't, <laughs> don't, I don't, maybe I don't get 100% of what you just said. Yeah, but, but I think just to, uh, one last point on ARC is that I think you, you just can, for, for whoever, like, considering uh, to invest in ARC or to, let's say, uh, have investment in art now thinking of what want to pulling out or not right if you are making that kind of uh consideration or decisions right i think uh just just read their stuff right or just uh go to youtube search uh katie wood art and then just listen to um uh katie wood explaining their thought process i, I think for her style right 
I think investor is either like you, you, you get it or you don't get it kind of things on. If you really like truly believe, uh, like she, she know her stuff and then, uh, whatever theme, thematic investing that she tried to promote, like all these, uh, disruptive innovation kind of things. Right? If you really believe that and you don't want to like, uh, copy her traits, right? I think the best way is just to buy an ETF and just, just say investor. I think that should be the way, la, because if you keep on busy copying her trades, right, I think it becomes too active. La. I think some, some traders, uh, do that. I know, but I, I think there's, there's so much headache to just copy that, right? So, so if you believe her style and then you believe her uh, thesis, right, just buy the ETF. If you, after listening to her talking for, let's say like one hour or two hours, right? And you think this is like bullshit, right? Then just stay away and also fine. I think, uh, it's, it's a bit like cult, you know, um, very niche kind of investing. Either you get it or you, you, you don't believe it. So I think either way is, is fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. People can, can debate about it, right? But I don't think, I don't think, uh, you can uh, persuade people to jump into her camp or jump out of her camp. Uh. So it's quite, quite binary one, I think. At least in terms of the view. Okay. Let's, um, move on. Um, Next one. With growth stocks taking a hit, so is my leap cost. What should I do? Okay. Uh, I'll go, I'll go with this one. I, I think uh, I want to explain a bit. I think for, uh, I, I try not to see these uh, options or leap, leap cost, right? This is options, right? Uh, my, my perspective is that, you know, some, some people use option for different reasons, right? Some people just want to uh, trade, trade, uh, position in and out. And then they use option to like, uh, leverage it, right? So I think for, for traders that that's quite common, uh, you just want to magnify your returns, right? So especially for those who have small base of capital, they just want to earn big money. They do leverage. I think this is their things. But from, for me, I will try to explain this from the perspective of like, you are doing this for mainly for leverage because it is leap cost, right? You leverage and it is a long-term kind of uh, uh, positions. Say, for example, you are long on Microsoft and then you just buy a leap call and then uh, you, you just use leap or options as a leverage positions. Then now the question is that, okay, if, or, or maybe not Microsoft, uh, say, for example, C-Limited. Uh, okay, let's say you, you buy a leap calls and then now the share price has dropped, right? This is similar to you are buying it on margin because if the share price drop, then of course your return would drop a lot, right? Because of the leverage uh, position. Then now what you want to consider, which is a bit more complicated as compared to just margin, right? Is that for leaps call, you need to ask yourself like, okay, now how much is the uh, strike price, right? So let, let's uh, come back to, let's say take, take C limited as an example, okay? So let me remove this. Uh, Okay, now the share price has dropped so much, right? Uh, let's say you, you buy it at 200 and uh, let's say the strike price of also 200, okay? Then the problem is now is that the share price has dropped to 87. Do you want to just keep holding on to your uh, leap cost? I think that the position like this, right? Uh, you need to be aware that as long as the share price stay below 200, right? It's just lingering around this, this uh, area in the next, let's say, depending on your, your time, the maturity of your lips cost, right? Let's say your lips cost is one year and then it just goes zigzagging below 200, right? What you are suffering here is actually the time decay. So you want, you, you want to be very careful on that because whatever that 
uh, lead cost uh, cost right because I, I don't know some people they might have just one contract here some people will just have like five or ten contracts right so if you have like ten contracts twenty contracts here and then your lips call uh, value it could be like three thousand five thousand here right if it, if it's zigzagging here for some period that five thousand or ten thousand or whatever market value of the call options right they will decay to zero so you, you need to be careful on that now so there are some website i think some i shared in the group before right so uh i i it help you illustrate that okay if the share price just stay constant how much uh of your call option would, would drop over time you need to know the dynamics of all these uh option strategy to help you inform like what, what you should do in in this kind of period uh this kind of situation if your strike level is high uh, i would say that the time decay is something that you need to watch out for so that is i think the most common mistake that people uh, do and then the second thing is that uh what can you do right so i would say that if you you need to judge the situation right because like if we come back to 2021 where the company is just uh benefiting from all this upward momentum right it's easy to make money but now with the situation, just look at the macro environment, tightening, all these things happening, right? I don't think like, let's say stocks like C Limited could drop another 50% from current level. I, I honestly don't think that because in terms of valuation, it, even if it is not cheap now, it's also not so expensive already, right? So expensive already, right? Uh, there's some echo. Uh, there's some okay. Echo. Can, can you put okay. on mute? Can you? Okay, thanks. So, so I think that, uh, for come back to see is that if you after reassess the situations and then if you don't think that it will just come go back to above 200 or above 250 right and, and you don't bet on that happening right if your your strike level is uh, is 200 or above of course implicitly you are betting it to to go above the strike level in in order for your options to have any positive payoff right so what, what you should do here is that you need to make a decision on whether you should really cut loss right so cut loss meaning that you need to sell the position and then if after you sell your position let's say you have let's say two two uh, options right you could sell two these two uh, options and then you can buy back uh, the stock at let's say a lower strike price right in order to minimize the time decay you know so these things you can do or if you are very bullish on on the companies right i think it also makes sense for you to uh like sell this current call that you have and then buy another course with a lower strike price just to you know just to uh reduce the time decay uh situations that the time decay cost la. so so i think that is this is something that that you should uh consider also but with, with this uh I, I mean this is still a very generic uh, uh questions right I, I i don't know exactly what is your situation uh, it could be that your strike level is at is, is for for C limited is not at uh two hundred right. It could be at fifty right. Then then the story is very different already. Or it could be that this is not uh, uh C limited companies that you are having right. It could be another companies. Then you you also need to assess that companies. So I think um I I can't give too much uh uh opinion on on this given that I don't have that details. But I think uh the time decay is something that is so so generic that too many people that make that kind of mistake they, they have this uh tendency to believe that oh it, it was 300 now it's at 80 i think at least it will go that, go back to 250 right then then i just hold i'm just bullish but 
But the usually the most painful thing is that yes, it, it came back to three hundred, but it happened right after your options uh, expired. You know, so so you you are right in terms of the direction. You are right in terms of the magnitude, but you but you are wrong in terms of the how soon it could happen. Right then, anyway, your your entire position already wiped up because of the time time decay. So that kind of situation is. Uh, you screw up in terms of the executions of the uh, options, uh. so so that one I think you you need to learn uh, with regards to to cost uh, or, or any option strategy. Right, you need to know the dynamics now. Uh. Or if you are here, you can share your situation. Then I can give a uh, more like details comments. Uh. If not, I will I will pass uh, skip to the next question. I'll pause here for a second. See anyone want to comment on this? All right, <laughs> become solo talk already. All right, hello, hello, anyone? I saw Billion Achiever is here. Hi, Miss Billions. How are you? How are you? Hey, morning, morning. Yeah, it's morning. nice to morning. hear your voice again. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about Lip, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good to have you here. Help me alleviate some some uh, burden, you know. If not, I'm like become D DJ. Keep on talking, talking, talking. Yeah, sometimes I need to take take a break. Yeah, you, break. you you sound good. I mean, uh, you have a you you have a better knowledge also on those uh, options and things. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll um, help you out maybe uh, about the DCA or whatever entry things. Yeah, later. All right. Hi, thanks. Hi, Jeremy. Morning. Yeah, so I think another thing is also whether you have the money to exercise the option. So if your lip call go wrong. And if you're planning and you are still very bullish on the stock, maybe you can just exercise the option and hold it for long term. But th that, that requires a lot of capital. So uh, I do not know the situation of this person also. Yeah, I think for yeah. for Lips Call, mm, I think the, the capital to really uh, exercise, I think that's more applicable for put. Let's say if you sell a put options and then it drop below and then you need to have the capital to take on the shares, right? And, and just pay the strike price, right? So I think put also different compared to call. But anyway, we don't have uh, the, the full details. Though. So next time, right? Anyone asking these questions, right? I'll, I'll say if you can give more details, right? Because you, you can still ask as an anonymous, if you just give more details like this store uh, maturing when, then you can give uh, you can you will get a more detailed uh, uh, answer that's specific for your situations, right? So can can give more details like, next time. Mm. Okay, uh, let's proceed. Uh, can Booty share his latest trades or portfolio adjustment this year and his plans going forward? Still DCA, what his current market this is now till twenty twenty three. Yeah, this question I think I have to answer, right? Because he's asking for mine. Uh, for those who are new, right? I, I don't know, some of you might be new to the group. Uh, I mean, if you compare my content, I think my content is definitely not as good as other YouTubers. There are many YouTubers that are doing great job, right? Mine is just not so good, right? But but when it comes to transparency, I can say I I, I probably are like one, like top 10%. Top ten percent in terms of transparency, <laughs> definitely not hundred percent kind of transparency, but close uh, maybe ninety percent because like I, I mentioned before, if there's any short term position, I don't share that. But these are all long term positions. By long term position means that you look at these numbers here. Usually, if you track it by uh, like every let's say every two months, you just have a glance, right? I believe there isn't that that much of changes here. Mainly, uh, share price fluctuating, uh, 
So this is my, my portfolio allocation at the moment. Um, there's even a, a new chart that I put in here just to show how it, it play, uh, like from, from the past, right? When, since the market, uh, so since I, I, I set up this account, right? So how, how it progressed over time, right? So definitely not doing well. Uh, as you see, like now market downturn and then I've lost like 20% since year to date, right? So my position size is, let's say back to last year, mid of last year already, even though I still keep on putting in money into the portfolio, right? Still keep buying, right? Then uh, I have another page here showing the trades that I made. Uh, I don't show in the past, I think maybe not so relevant, but I these are all the trades since beginning of this year. Uh, anyway, let's say if there's, if there's any trades, I usually share in the group anyway, but if you are interested, then you can you can take a look, right? Uh, these are all the record, right? So trans transaction price is all here as well. So I would say the, the recent trades, right? I think this one I share a lot. Uh, I even have a sub stake uh, post talking about uh, I selling out my uh, Alibaba and then my Facebook also I sold already. And then my monies went somewhere else, right? And after I sold Alibaba, I bought some Nvidia, CSPX, um, CNYA, all these names. There's some, some, uh, some reallocations uh, around my portfolio. And then the most recent one are like, you know, when uh, Tencent dropped, I also bought like 100 shares here. This is Hong Kong one. And then the most recent one is uh, NVIDIA and TSMC, which I just bought one or two weeks ago, like 10 days ago, right? So these are my trades here. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I can, next time if there's any trades, I will just put in here. I, I believe you can just look at uh, this just to, to see is what kind of transaction that I have. Uh. So, so this is, for those who are curious, uh, I mean, if you look at this, please be aware that, you know, my returns is even worse than S&P 500. So if you want to copy, I can't stop you, but I would just say, why not you just copy uh, S&P 500, right? Which is a better portfolio, <laughs> better manager than me. So I, I don't have pressure to, to share these kind of things, right? Because I'm, I'm not saying that I'm better than the, the markets, right? So I actually, some, some, sometimes I even think that I, I'm copying the market as well. Like my portfolio, these are mostly uh, like investing into like larger cap rather than those small one, right? So no shame, shame on that. But back to the questions, right? Uh, what's my current market thesis now till 2023? Um, in terms of the monetary tightening, I would say that um, actually since beginning of this year, I've been saying the same thing. Monetary tightening is coming. Um, Fed is open about it. They mention it in their minutes. And then I still think that the market haven't yet fully realized the kind of tightening that we are seeing. But now they are slowly to realize that already, but still not 100%. So in other words, right, please be prepared to see another, let's say, let's say just go back to S&P 500, right? Just now we mentioned that it's only like 10% drawdown, right? I think these numbers, right, 10% drawdown, right? I think even it dropped another 10% from here, I think this, you should expect that to happen. I mean, don't, I'm not saying this for sure will happen because it could always like just bottom and then go up, right? Who, who knows, right? But I just want to say that uh, given that this monetary tightening, uh, it's very powerful one. These this things, is, they, they always say, don't uh, fight the Fed, right? You see, 2020 COVID happened, the Fed can just pump from here, like around 2,500 to like 4,000 or even 
4,500, right? This is the power of the Fed when they want to pump. Now, this is the period uh, where they are dumping. <laughs> so I, I don't think they want to dump until like back to COVID period low. They, they also, this is not their goal, right? Their goal is try to cool down the inflation, right? But when they hike the interest rate, they are dumping, right? They are not dumping equity. They are just dumping the bonds. So when they dump the bonds, the bond yield will increase. Some money will flow to the bonds. They're flowing from stock. They're flowing from other areas, right? So just just don't be shocked when let's say S and P five hundred just drop another five or ten percent or even fifteen percent from from current levels, lah. Um, when and, and we, we should, please please be, don't be shocked, lah. I think that's what what I want to say, lah. So, but with that said, I don't think. Uh, uh, even with my portfolio, you see, I'm very transparent about it, right? I won't say that because of this view, I will sell all everything here and then just wait for the bottom and buy it back, right? Because if I sell all of this every week, I need to watch the market like a hawk and just make sure that I enter at the exact right time, right? Who can make the kind of calls, right? Probably I will re-enter too early or too too late, right? So that's why it's so how to say so tiring to do that kind of things. It could already bottom. That's why I said I, I try not to do that lah. So that's why I think still come back to just DCA. If it drop, continue to DCA. You are doing this not for the next one year, right? We are all doing this for years ahead, right? Now it's 2022. Huh? We are recording this uh, video. I hope that three years later, five years later, we can just tell all the new joiners uh, that, okay, just look at the old old videos. Uh, the strategy is like this. Three or five years later, still the same, still the DCA thing. And you just look at the portfolio. It used to be like starting out from a small base also, right? Like 200. Five, five years down the road, I'm, I can tell you for sure this number won't be at, like, let's say, like, I don't know, like 300K, right? It will be much higher just because of the DCA and the market over a long period of time, they will go up. So that's just a very simplistic kind of explanations. Okay, uh, back to this 2023, 2022, don't, don't go until 2023. Monetary tightenings um, will be uh, tricky, okay? Uh, market still adjusting. Mm, DCA, don't stop DCA. If you are uncomfortable, I would say DCA at just a smaller amount. Maybe you DCA some money into your cash. If that helps with your psychology, right, or with your emotion, I think that one you can do. But don't don't keep cash for 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 long term uh, Cash won't beat equity for long term for sure. If you keep cash now, if you see the market becoming more attractive, maybe step up your your DCA into equities uh. Okay, that that's all on on this question. Anyone else want to call, uh, want to share your view on this? Yeah, this billions. Uh. Um. Yeah. For for me, I think why DCA work. Uh, is that I think the first thing is the uh, the emotion. I think many people die in the investing because of the emotion. They they stop and they froze. They they do not know what to do. So maybe they take a side and say, okay, let let me just wait and see whether you know. And um, when the market drops, they say, hey, hang on, I I didn't uh, put in all my money. You see, uh, people losing money. But when the market bounce back, it can bounce back really hard and really fast. 
So the thing is that when that market comes back, maybe five or five percent in in a day, it can come back five percent in a day. You know, these days I do not know what happened to the stock market. It can go really fast and hard, and you miss out that five percent. And this five percent or ten percent increase in three days, it's a forever missed opportunity in your in your portfolio. If let's say your portfolio next time grows to one million, actually you can earn. You know, uh, one million and and another ten percent, but that's missed opportunity for that few few days. It's the opportunity that you have lost forever, and just because of that, you you are so happy that oh, you avoid the dip. So I guess that for us, um, DCA still work. I mean, at, at least for me, I I cannot speak on behalf of other people. Uh, it keeps your emotional away, and uh, yeah, you feel relaxed, and you just keep on uh, uh, putting in. Uh, I guess there's another group of DCA that, uh, like what uh, BT said, right? Um, maybe when you think the market is too high, you just reduce the sum, and you think the market is is generally uh, uh, dipping uh, more, and you wanted to accumulate more. And you feel better. Uh, then you start to invest a bit more. That works also. But I would just say that do not do not hold back. Yeah, uh, you might miss out the opportunities that you should have get uh, during the bounce back. Just just look at two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Those who never leave the market um, see where they are right now. They are making a killing. Yeah. So I mean, this is my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for the comment. Yeah, I think that's very true, right? Because whenever we look at market, we look at the chart, whatever, right? There's always this long-term versus short-term kind of um, view, right? Because if you just look at short-term, right? You, you, whatever we are commenting just now, right? Saying, okay, all this fat tightening, all these things, right? This is like really a short-term thing, right? We are talking about like the Fed meetings in May and then uh, in June, right? And then let's say we can comment up until, let's say, Q3 this year, right? This is all like just within a couple of months away, right? But people always miss out that, okay, actually, is it really important to make the kind of like uh, optimize for all these monthly uh, topics or monthly developments, right? Because over a long period of time, is it really important, let's say, if you if you just buy here, right, this point here, uh, knowing that actually that time also uh, market was down training, right? If you look at the short-term basis, just look at 2018, right? If you if you look at a short-term basis, if I'm making the same comment here, right? I would just say, yeah, uh, market timing, uh, monetary tightening, market may drop, market may drop, market may drop. How can you sure that you can buy it back here or buying back here? All this, all this market timing, like perfect timing is very, very hard one. But what we can be sure of is that if you just zoom up a little bit, right, then you will notice that actually not so much what. Even I bought it at slightly higher, even I bought it at peak here, it still go up, right? This this is what long term investing is all about, right? Then come back to come back to this period. It could be that, you know, we are seeing that these things, right? Let me let me uh draw something. This drop can it drop here? Definitely can, right? Zigzagging here can, right? But what we want to see is that, okay, it will, f over a long period of time, it will go up already. And who can make sure that you are able to time the low, right? And that low could be this point here, right? Or it could be already this point here. If these things just from here, just zigzagging, 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 and up, up, right? I mean, all this low, 
all this low, right? You, you won't be able to time it perfectly one. But we, what we can know is that if you just zoom out and then just look at the uh, long period of time, as long as those business, right, they are doing well, they are having good return on capital, right? This, this chart will just continue to go up, right? So I would say that like, like what, uh, Miss Billions just said, right? Uh, DCA help you with your emotion that you don't want to look at all this short term zigzagging. What you want to see is that, okay, I'm owning good assets and good assets appreciate over time, right? So simple, right? I think this is really, really important. But I think sometimes for, for, uh, especially for new joiners, uh, they, they just can't help to pay attention to all this short term noise and all the media that try to guide you towards short term, guide you towards like looking at today's news, right? I think this is, uh, something that you need to aware of uh, because they, they have the, you know, they, they have the incentive to make sure you look at long, uh, short term and not the long term, right? Yeah. For, for, for Miss Billions and, and myself, uh, we are in the same camp that try to, uh, tell people that actually just, just make sure that you, you focus on the, on the long term and, and don't, don't be too disturbed by all this, uh, volatility. Okay. I think, uh, I have commented this, uh, this one I also commented already. Like, seems like everyone around me is holding off on buying any more stocks until at least FOMC is over in May. Market capitulating in the next few weeks. Um, I don't think it will capitulate. Nah. It, uh, market already priced in. They could, I mean, volatility is yes, lah. Capitulating, no, lah. This word capitulations, right? You need to see if it dropped by 30%, then I, I also will be shocked, lah. I don't think that will happen, lah. But people always look for some assurance. Like I want to make sure things are okay, then I buy. But at the same time, they are not okay to buy at a higher price. So this group of investors, they will tend to have huge amount of cash and the cash is always earning a lower return and they don't realize how costly it is to, to hold that cash for a long period of time. You just look at stock market chart over like 100 years, right? Anyone who is like, just look for assurance, right? They're stuck between two kind of uh, environment. Number one, the market, the, the environment is so bearish and there's so much uncertainty, uh, going on. For example, like, you know, Ukraine, Ukraine war during COVID period, during market tightening period, all the bad stuff, right? So they don't invest. And then another group, of, uh, another time, another scenario is that, there, there are relat rel relatively less uh, concerning stuff happening, right? But the price just could keep going up and up and up and it looks expensive. Then they also don't invest. So over time, they just underinvest and just just get a very low uh, return on, on, on their capital. And they don't realize the cost, you know, the opportunity cost. I think that's, that is a much uh, common and bigger mistake. Uh. Yeah. Just need to be aware of that. Uh. Okay. Um, okay. let's yeah. jump on. Can I add something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I, I saw some, uh, uh, some YouTuber, uh, talking about this topic. I think it's a very generic topic that people come out and say, should I buy, should I sell? Um, should I do short-term trading to earn more money and do not hold? I, I guess there's a lot of uh, strategy out there. Um, but I, I guess one thing is also that um, there are so many news out there to tell you to buy and sell and do more frequent trading. 
in the end, just think about it. Who who is the one who benefit out of it, right? Um, I mean, it's the brokerage, it's the platform brokerage that you are dealing with. If you buy and sell, they don't care whether you lose or, or you earn money. So actually, in the end, it's still the brokerage who 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 earn more money than than what you think that you could earn from the system itself. And you have to be very accurate in terms of your timing, uh, price, and, and the period that you you hold for that. So in the end, um, you have to think about your strategy. Uh, are you a long term uh, investor, or you are just there to to get influenced by other people who just tell you, okay, just just buy now and and sell now, or you know, to to do a short term uh, tradings. So yeah, I think your own strategy, your own emotion have to um, safeguard it. I have to think about it well before you do your investment. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I think that's a good comment. Yeah, too many all these news, right? Try to really uh, influence you to do more things. Some some YouTubers also, I think the same. Uh, they they tell you, oh, sell this and then buy this, uh, and and just make make sure that you have uh, no way to escape, right? They will, you will just keep on like following his trades, right? And then he get all the views, right? And then that's how they monetize, right? So there's there's always things that you know uh, people benefiting from whatever advice that they are giving. So I think that one you need to be aware of that, uh, and. I don't know. I think for me, I think you, you just need to find a way, a long-term strategy that really work for your own financials because uh, you, you're basically in charge of your financials, right? Please be, be aware of all this trap. Uh. Mm, okay, next one. Uh, assuming if Black Swan happens in the next few months, how long do you think the market will crawl back the all-time high in December or January? Wow, there's even a time period here. So so funny, Miss Billions. You have any any view on this, or anyone else want to want to share on this? Uh, if it's a black swan, means nobody knows. So if you know, it's not a black swan. And uh, if black swan happens, it happens. Nobody knows, right? So how how do we know? We do not have a crystal ball. If we know everything is going to be a sell off, I think me and Bunti will be the next billionaire in next few months. <laughs> how how do we know, right? Uh, I guess these things. That's why uh we do not know. What we do not know, we do not know. We just have to um see what's your risk uh appetite and uh yeah, just try to invest as per according to your risk appetite. If you have spare cash, yeah, just keep investing. If you think you cannot lose that cash in the short term, then uh, just um, yeah, you you just lower your investment amount. Um, yeah, but for me, I will just keep investing. I mean, everybody says that two thousand eight is a black swan event. You know, uh, two thousand is a black swan event. If I were there to invest, I I would be very happy. I mean, come on, who 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 is not happy to invest uh, when? That's a layman brother, and uh, you can buy Citibank at one dollar. Yeah, you'll be a yeah. If you buy just ten thousand shares, you you'll be a multi-millionaire right now. So I, I guess that nobody knows what happened. Um, yeah, just keep investing. In case you're really so scared, I don't think that you should invest for long term. I mean, then you just hold on to your cash and just hug it in your pillow until the day that you die. I that I guess everybody have to take some risk too to get some return. Yeah, so we cannot be scared all the time. 
as uh, one can just comment. Yeah, I'm a I'm a very positive thinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same here. Optimist here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, ex exactly your, your comment, uh, I have the same view uh, because, you know, black swans, right? I, I don't know whether, I, I think people have wrong uh, definition on black swan. Black swan is not something that, some news that make the market drop like 5%, that kind of things, right? Black swan by definition is something that people don't even aware of. Like you do the kind of like uh, what uh, Miss Billion said, right? The things that you don't know that you don't know. So by definition, if this thing I don't know, how can I tell you like, okay, how, how, how will the market crawl back or when, how long will the market take to, to crawl back, right? So I think this is like, I don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know here. But even if we don't, there are things that we don't know, doesn't mean that we don't invest, right? You, you cannot wait for everything to to be known in order to invest. There's always uncertainty and that's a risk, right? And if there's no risk, then there's no return. For example, if you say, okay, I want to know, you can actually buy bonds. That's exactly what bonds for, right? If you buy bonds, you actually know, like you know how much is the payout. You know how much it is worth at the maturity, right? All these are known. When all these are known and kind of guaranteed by, let's say like US bonds, right? Guaranteed by the US government, you also have high uh, probability knowing that they won't default and then you will get the monies. When all these things are known, right, then what kind of, the kind of return that you get is also like very low. So actually you need to embrace the, the uncertainty la, and be optimistic. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's my add on that. Uh, okay, this one jumped up already. Is it realistic to be able to make 6,000 per month doing options as advertised in YouTube videos without being too complicated? How is it done? I don't know which uh, videos that you're referring to, but I think uh, there are many different option strategy, right? Some people doing like view strategy. I think uh, some people just, uh, you know, the Theta gang, they will just buy, no, they will just sell out of money options and then just, uh, just use the data, uh, just benefit from, from the data decay. So there are so many different strategy, right? But I think in terms of the amount, I won't say this is like, um, like, like this is, I, I, I mean, if you can find a strategy that can consistently earn, let's say $60, right? Then you just scale up by 100x. Of course, you can earn 6,000 per month. So, so I think in terms of the amount, you can just scale in, uh, scale in, up or down depending on your situations, right? But when it comes to strategy, if you are doing the kind of uh, strategy like selling our money call option or our money uh, put options, right? Or you do wheeling, right? I think this is like taking advantage of the theta decay. You you can get some returns, some some consistent returns month over month. Uh, the problem is always that they say the tail scenarios happen, right? For example, if you go and short a uh, put option on Netflix and then just within one day it dropped by 40%, right? You will get burned for that kind of situations. Uh. But this kind of situation, you don't expect Netflix to drop by 40% uh, every day for, for like 20 days in a year, right? So you, you likely, let's say you just do this strategy for like three months, nine months, one years, right? It could be that you don't encounter any kind of freak um, uh, situation like this, then you can show that, oh, actually it's very consistent. Every month I get the discount returns, but doesn't mean that the tail scenarios won't wipe you out. Uh. So I think that's the things that, um, you know, it's always uh, risk return. So the 
with option strategy, sometimes it's easier to hide the, uh, it's very easy to hide the risk uh, because you can say, oh, I've been doing this for two years, right? Get discount returns, right? But but one, one just they just need one big loss and could, could get wiped out, uh, especially for, for, for selling put options. So they need to be careful, uh, I would say. Yeah, that's my, that's comment. my comment. Anyone else want to? Yeah, billions here. I'm trying to help you here, <laughs> so I get more airtime. Uh, yeah, just just a personal uh, uh experience, not not my experience. Sorry, uh, a personal friend of mine uh who really well in options uh, two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one. Uh, I mean he 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 made options very well and uh. His strategy is, I think, Bill or something. So uh, I did uh, ask him uh, how how he did it. Um, but uh, in one of the uh, unfortunate events, uh, I think you guys know about the options for the oil options who went negative. Yeah, he he went in at one dollar, uh, and then he lost a hundred thousand in in a night when he woke up. So he lost all his money in this that night yeah he wiped out like hundred thousand so um he was lucky in few years but he was not lucky in just one trade and that really wiped off his whole portfolio so um yeah there, there are a lot of uh, unknown also in the options so you have to be careful i do not say that people do not earn money but you just need one trade to wipe off all your gains. Yeah. And uh, it might not be too sustainable. Yeah. I, it's from my perspective. I do not trade options. I did try, but uh, not good at it. So I, I do not want to comment uh, much about other people. Some people might be really good in it, uh, but uh, most of us uh, might not be so proficient in this, um, in, in this uh, options trading. So you gotta be careful. Yeah. It's like before you know how to swim in the swimming pool and become Joseph schooling, you wanted to try to swim in the English channel and swim for 10 hours to go to Paris or something like that. So yeah, you have not have the skill yet, but you try to gung ho and, and try to get camp, you know, to try to try it out and uh, force yourself to do something which need a higher skill set than what you thought you could. So I guess that and um, money is hard earned, yeah. So you 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 gotta be protective about your own capital. You you cannot just lose everything just like that, yeah. Just have to uh, yeah, a personal friend who who really lost that much and uh, he cannot sleep for for a few days, uh, yeah. One hundred k is really the entire portfolio. Like he lost in his entire. Yeah, he lost his, he, he had like 110,000 uh, the day that he woke up, he have 10,000 10, left, yeah. He cannot, he cannot talk for a few days, uh. he was too sad, too depressed. But uh, he earned a very good money, but he was telling me that that really scarred him also, yeah. He, he saved a lot uh, and he's very highly paid. Uh, so he, he saved back what he lost. 
but he's now very conservative and put in uh, SPII and QQQ, those type of uh, index trading funds, because he say he have to be protective about his capital. He do not want to be, uh, you know, so speculative. I, I think maybe a man is, is more adventurous. Uh, I'm a lady. I, I cannot speak for, but for me, I'm more, I'm more in the long term and uh, not too speculative or, or too much of adventure in this type of uh, fast money because I think it's not sustainable. You can earn, earn a lot, but you can also lose in one, one game or one options itself and you lose all of them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. personal, personal friend is a very close friend of mine. I, I saw him that like, he's very depressed. Yeah. Yeah, it's always tough, right? I think that, that situation is really... Sorry, somebody cooking this book. <laughs> hello, hello, testing. Okay, thank, thanks. Yeah, I think uh, it's quite tough uh, for, for that kind of situation. And I think that's the first time that it went negative, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Because, um, yeah, I, I also look at the chart uh, that day like the day before, right? And then notice that, okay, um, I mean, then the next day when uh, it shows that the, the, the price when, uh, dropped to negative, I was so shocked. Uh, and when before he slept, he, he saw $1. How can he go, right? So he just bought like, okay, I just bought 100 units. I mean, how can he go? He, he, he thought like, how long? I, I don't even like, I guess lah. Okay, I think Miss Williams, I think you are breaking up already. Connection is so good. <laughs> Bounce back. You are breaking up already. Connection is so good. <laughs> ah, sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How how many can bounce back? Uh, you know, uh, after losing all. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Just just my uh, thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Hope that he's strong. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Then. Uh. Yeah. Next one. <laughs> Uh, why people buy government bonds for two to three percent when inflation is at least five percent? Isn't that aiming to power loose? Yes, correct. Uh, buying government bond at two point three, inflation is higher than that. Then power loose, I think, agree with that. But you know, this is all about like portfolio allocations, right? Because uh, even you know, for stocks, it's always volatile, right? Some people may need the money. Let's say in the next one year or next six months, they have no choice. They can't put in the stock market because of all this huge volatility, right? So the the only way that you can put it somewhere to protect your capital is some short-term bonds, right? So I think this is about portfolio allocations. Uh, so for sure, there will be people buying uh, government bonds. Let's say if you are, for example, like if you are buying an uh, insurance company, right? As, you know, insurance policy, right? Then it is endowment. Sometimes if you look at the endowment policy, uh, the, the insurance company can tell you, okay, there's guarantee of 2%. Uh, then uh, on the upside, you can get, let's say, 3%. How could they guarantee you that 2% if they put all the monies into equities, right? So that, that one also point down to the portfolio allocations. The higher is the guarantee, right? And then the more money they have to put in into bonds. Lah. So at least that will guarantee some returns, uh, uh, some guarantee, some, some low return in the worst scenarios, right? So that, that's the purpose of having bonds in your portfolio. And bonds is always uh, yielding lower than equities over a long period of time just because of, like I mentioned, right? everything is known. You don't have uh, risk in terms of the timing of the payout. 
the maturity of the payout, everything you know already. There's no much risk. Hence, uh, it's very hard to lose money, right? Um, there's, yes, there's some fair value uh, loss, let's say if you buy a long bonds now, because the cash flow is actually fixed. The payout is actually fixed. What is not fixed is how much people are willing to pay for that bonds, right? So if you buy a 30-year government bonds, you buy now and sell next month, you could have a huge loss just because of the price uh, or, or the yield that's fluctuating. But how much cash flow that's associated for these bonds, right? They are all fixed. So, so that's why it's known as safe assets. Uh, they are safe. Okay. So you're right if you are thinking that uh, it is power loose. Yes, I, I do agree. And if the inflation is 5%, actually bonds shouldn't be 2 to 3%. It should be, it should track with uh, inflation also. Because if the inflation is 5%, right? I think bond you, you, you want to be compensated at least uh, like, like, uh, on the real terms, right? So the real you by right should be zero percent, right? But the situation now is that there's so much liquidity still in the market because of all this Fed pumping, right? Hence, they they artificially drive down uh, or push the yield down uh, to to like now let's say around three percent for long bonds, right? But the inflation should up because of the situation that that we also discussed, right? All these uh, supply chain problem and so on. So so I think. Uh, this bond you as the Fed doing all this slow motion rug pull, right? I think this yield will continue to go up now. So it, it might go down, go up to three to four percent, and then hopefully that will cool down the inflation from let's say eight percent down down back to five or six percent, right? And that that is a much more healthy environment. I think now we are still in the adjustment phase. Now. Okay, just short comment on this, yeah. Um, if no comment, we'll move faster because I think we just have a few more questions and now it's already 12.10 already. Okay, uh, next one. Dow Jones proved to be more most resilient market year to date. Time to play safe by moving there now. I think my answer is no for this because actually Dow Jones, no, no, not many people are looking at this. I think people are quoting Dow Jones mainly for because Dow Jones is around for many years. It's even longer than S&P 500. If you're looking for data that is, let's say, like 100 years, right? Actually, you, you can refer to Dow Jones because they, uh, in the past, let's say, 100 years ago, I think only Dow Jones available. S&P 500 also relatively new. Um, I would say if you want to play safe or you want to have really a more neutral kind of allocations across sector, right? You should, you should just go for S&P 500. It is good enough. Dow Jones actually has lesser names as compared to uh, uh, S&P 500. So I think this is a no-go. This is just for, I don't know, like for historical reason, they are still here. But but uh, it's not a good uh, proxy for the stock market. Uh, just because the number of names in Dow Jones is, is even lesser, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, next one. Hello, Bunti. Can share some of your views on Fed plans uh, from FOMC? I think this one I will give uh, updates whenever, whenever there's a minutes or there's any, uh, let's say, updates. Just pay attention to the tweets that I share. Uh, sometimes I just put it in a short summary in the form of tweets, right? So usually quite short one. Uh, so don't take up so much of your time. But if you want to know how much, uh, how high is the returns, right? Uh, you, you can look at the, uh, you know, the CME website, right? I can tell you from now until end of the year, they will hide the rates by around 2 to 2.5%. Uh, 50 basis point hike in May, another 50 to 75 basis point hike in June. 
So we are talking about one, 1% or slightly more uh, increase in the Fed fund rates from now until June. We're talking about two months time. yeah. So any one of you have mortgage, uh, if you can refinance, please refinance, check with your <laughs> mortgage bro uh, broker, see they can get a uh, good rates for you. You you need a referral can just PM me. I, I have, uh, uh, I've, I just talked to my uh, mortgage broker in, in the past one or two weeks. Uh, so I myself am going to refinance my mortgage, uh, lock in a fixed rate for, for some longer periods. Uh, because this yield increase, right, is not a magic, right? They, they have been communicating it. Uh, the reason they've been doing that is also because they don't want to shock the market. They don't want to say, oh, I'll, I'll keep quiet. Then suddenly I just announced a 50 basis point hike, right? So uh, they have been doing that in the past. And then uh, the market sometimes panic, right? When they lose the, you know, they ha don't have a few anymore. They feel that this Fed can do whatever they want. It's a bit like China situation, right? Uh, the uncertainty sometimes is more scary than the, than the actual interest rate hike. So that's why... In the past, let's say two to three years, they've been, how to say, they try to complicate. Uh. That's why you see, uh, when, when the, when the real announcement came in, right, market doesn't react too much already because, uh, throughout the speech they have been given, right, they already prepared the market to see this kind of, uh, uh development of interest rate. So if you want to remember something, yes, uh, 200 basis point height or more from now until end of the year. So very painful for those who have high mortgage amount. Okay, uh, next one. What happened during a margin call? Um, your broker will just liquidate on behalf of you. Quite simple, right? <laughs> Say you have uh, positions and then you leverage so much. Usually before that happened, they will tell you first. Uh, there will be emails sent to you say that, okay, please uh, uh, sell down or pump in more cash. If not, anything wrong, we will liquidate. Or we might already liquidate if you don't do, do that. So there's uh, rules. I think the rules, depending on how fast or what kind of communication, I think sometimes there could be some details that is uh, broker-specific. So you might want to check uh, with your friends using the same brokers, right? Uh, but if you are not sure on this, right, if just uh, always veer on the safe side, uh, meaning don't don't leverage so much to the extent that you 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 will hit with this. Uh. No, it's not fun one because sometimes the intraday movement is so so uh, serious that they just liquidate at the worst moment and then uh, they just bounce back, bounce back hard, right? So become a permanent loss for you because you want to buy back, uh, pumping cash to buy back also, you are buying back at a higher price already. They, they will sell without your permission if you hit this margin call at the worst price. So it's very bad. So, so please play on the safe side. Okay. Anyone else out until now? Any Anything that you want to share? Because if not, I'll move a bit faster. Just quickly go through some, some of this question. If not, we will just move faster. I don't know how to pick up stocks, but I know how to pick good investors. My return is 16.5% for the past 10 years by following the best. That's good enough. Now, I think this is fair, right? Um, I think, let's say, looking at the S&P 500, they are doing like, I don't know, 12%. QQQ may be slightly higher, but I need to check, right? But let's say if you, you, you know how to pick good investor and 
and that give you some good returns and you're just happy with your returns you are you are on track right i think that's uh that's just just continue doing uh, i think six sixteen point five percent for the past 10 years i think um this is good result uh, uh i wouldn't say you need to get 20 right 20 percent is already like already got like level yeah but if you can share which investor that you are you are following and then what kind of portfolio that you're having if you are able to share your top three names and and why you are bullish on those companies then we can have more uh details discussion right i think this is definitely good good thing to to discuss and then uh we all can learn from you also all right thanks for this comment want to add stocks but with earnings coming plus may rate hikes feel unsure if should wait know that market timing isn't recommended but can't help feeling this yeah i think when it comes to the feeling right even for myself right i every day have feelings one i look at the market drop i will have feeling whether it will drop more i look at it bounce back i will have feelings that this this uh trend might continue all this feeling keep coming in one. I can't, we can't stop the feeling one but i think feeling is one thing la. another thing is you can't really rely on your feeling because if you observe your feeling, right, one, one thing you can do is that you, you write down in your journal on what do you feel. You feel this, you write down, you feel bad, you feel good, you write down, you just write down and you read back your journal, you'll find that actually your feeling also keeps swinging. I think this is true for everyone. But the things that we can rely on is the system, like what a billions share, right? If you have system to DCA, right, then your actions actually rely on your systems. Then you don't have to rely on your feelings. If you if you trade based on your feelings, then you will trade in and out just because your feelings in and out, <laughs> your feelings swing up and down. So I would say have a system that that is working, then rely on the system. The feeling cannot 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 be relied on. <laughs> yeah. So that's why if you ask for my opinion, sometimes whatever that I say, right, is my feeling, right. But if you want to know how my portfolio doing, I would say go to this, look at my transactions, right? You see, sometimes, of course, there's some, some portfolio re reallocation, but most of the time, these columns, right, they are positive, right? See, I'm DCA here and there, DCA here and there, DCA here and there, right? So I think the, the system of DCA, this is a system that's working. It's not my feeling that I'm, I, I think that TSM already bottom here, that's why I buy. That, that's not the case, yeah uh the situation is that yeah it's just dca here okay next one uh macro outlook so far looks pessimistic china housing governance not having clear rule of law ukraine war and proxy wars <laughs> should we hold cash now long term no <laughs> as simple as that uh, just imagine that we are having this discussion during march and april 2020 right everything is wrong right Ev everything tell you that you shouldn't invest right and then market just going up right why because because can't can't i mean stocks it's just superior right just look at the business the business have a roe or roic of let's say 10 15 20 percent over long term how to beat that right by putting your money at cash i don't think so but if you are if you put your money into the stock market and if you can't sleep then you just have no choice but to put in cash because i would say that between equity and cash of course equity is better oh 
and I need to uh, caveat that you, that's a long-term perspective. But let's say between have a good sleep versus have a better return because you need to all in into equity, right? I would say a, a good sleep is more important because if you can't sleep well and then that affect your health and you need to see doctor and then you get into depression, well, I think that one is confirmed much more costly than whatever return that you can get from equities. <laughs> because if you are getting into depression to the extent that you are no longer productive and you can't operate, right? I mean, you, you lose your life, right? Um, I mean, that's more precious than, than equity returns, right? Yeah. They to take care of your uh, psychology, your emotion as well. And this is really up to individuals one. Like, like, like if you are uh, like billions and, and me, right? I mean, we are optimists. <laughs> Just the first question, what's your loss point, right? I don't even know I lost like 20% a year today until I check it this morning, right? Because I don't care, right? We are all looking at longer period of time. Do I need to care like whether I lose 20%? Even if lose another 5%, I also don't care. My system is already running like, 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 like it has been running, right? That's why I share these things for, for whoever that, that's new, right? I don't say, I wouldn't say that this is a good system, but at least you can see that, okay, this is my approach. At least you can have some takeaway from there's someone doing this over time, right? So I think that's something that I can, can add values on now. Okay, next one. What is your opinion on Netflix? Opinions right now is divided about their recent earnings call and what do you think about their plans? Uh, I don't know. Um, do we have time for discussion? I, anyone want to share your views on Netflix? Uh? Because in terms of my view, I already shared it on my, my video uh, on Netflix already. Hmm, I think... Nah, no, no, so... Um, let's say if there's uh, anyone want to discuss this one in details, I, we can have a call, a short call, just talk about Netflix. I think this is interesting enough. And if needed, we can get Mr. He's not here, right? Mr. Love, <laughs> Luf or Love uh, from, from, uh, from Australia, right? So we can get his view. I think he's very bullish. But the Netflix video that I posted on YouTube, right? Uh, there's one comment there. You guys can check it out. I think the person is quite bearish. Yeah. Uh, it's not bearish about their plan. They're just bearish on the entire business model. They, they, they don't think that this is a good company. And I know that Ms. Marv, right, Maverick, uh, also very bearish on Netflix, uh, even before this recent quarter earnings. Maybe we can get his view also. Depending on that, if there's people want to discuss this, we can, we can always have a separate call just to talk about, about this company. Okay, in terms of my view, I'm quite quite neutral about it. I, I think they are, of course, the story. Um, there's some change in story. There's some concern whether they are able to switch back to uh, growth phase, phase and adding subscribers. Um, I think there's some concern there. But at the same time, I think uh, with their management team, uh, I think they have a strong management team. Uh, they, I, I also think that they can navigate uh, out of this. And whatever metrics that they are looking at i don't think they are you know like in, uh, pricing in a lot of growth there you know they are free cash flow positive right so i i don't think their valuation is so crazy you know they don't need to execute like flawlessly uh to justify today's valuation they just need to like get back to positive growth uh then they are fine 
So I'm on the neutral side. <laughs> uh, next one. What is your view on ETF? Similarly, shouldn't time entry between S&P 500 and World Index ETF? What's your view on pro and cons? Preference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, to, together with, let's say, a couple of uh, our veterans investors here, right? Uh, Miss Billions and, and quite a number of people. I, I saw YCX also here. I think... Um, uh, at least for our group here, right? Um, we are we are not uh, the bunch of investors that advocate for market timing. It doesn't matter you are doing day timing or like short term swing timing. This is generally not advised. Uh, uh, at least at least us, right? Um, there there are other investors that they they think that they can time, um, it, but this is not recommended. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's on timing. Second one is between S&P 500 and World Index. I think this one, right, is really, um, how to say, this is like, what's your view on US versus uh, non-US, right? If you look at World ETF, let's say we're talking about the IWDA ETF, right? Uh, developed market excluding US, meaning you are talking about Europe, Japan, Australia, Canada. I think these are the main uh economies within the world ETFs. So I think th- there's a lot of argument also pro and con. For its, I, but I think the main difference is that are, are you bullish on the names in S&P 500 relative to those in Euro, Japan? Uh? So I think S&P 500, relatively speaking, you have more ta- tech exposure, right? Whereas for developed economy in Japan, in Europe, I, I, I really don't know. Maybe they have more into you know like all these LV companies and then uh some some I, I really don't know you need to look at their, their their economy and judge for yourself but I can comment on the tech uh, which we, we comment in the uh, at the beginning of today's session right so so you need to make a relative uh, assessment on whether let's say all these tech name in US companies versus the developed economies ETF. And I don't have much view on, on the world ETF. Uh, uh, that, that's why a bit hard. Uh. Um, I'm okay with either, you know, for, for those who invest into S&P 500 or investing into IWDA, I think in terms of uh, correlation also quite high. So I don't know whether that is very meaningful to have a debate on the difference between these two. Uh. Either way, we will do, let's say, if you are doing long-term DCA, I think that's my comment. Uh. But if you ask specific people, different people will have different view of regards to this, this tool. Uh. Some people, they will say that uh, whatever, how, how good is is all these uh, FANG names or, or how good is S&P, they are anyway priced in, right? So I, I just want a, a, a neutral view on neutral allocation across companies. Then I will prefer World ETF. I think that's a very fair assessment. I would say that's wrong, right? But at the same time, we will hear people say, okay, actually S&P 500, even with their relatively high PE, their companies is uh, high quality and you should get the highest quality names, right? Then they will prefer S&P 500. I also agree. So you see, <laughs> I don't have a view in, in short. But uh, if we have anyone have strong opinions, we can list out a couple of points to talk about, right? Because you, you were talking about like, okay, whether US, whether there will still be the, uh, um, you know, the countries that's leading the world, right? Uh, that, then people will debate about it. And then, where, then, then you have to bring in China as well. You know, China become a world superhouse. Should we add in? Yeah. So 
there, there are quite quite a lot of debates, but I'm kind of uh, neutral opinions. Uh. But we, we don't have so much time. I want to close the call already because it's 12.30 already. Uh, last one. I saw your reply on TWT, Twitter. 20% market down don't mean 20% capital liquidate to cash. Ah, I, I recall this uh, tweet already. I think this is uh, some, some discussion that I have with uh, Terence. I think when Terence, you, you need to read uh, Terence's uh, post first. So he has two po posts, right, uh, with regards to whether recession will come. I think his argument is saying that, um, you see, market drop doesn't mean that the, the, the money just gone, right? It, it just flow from somewhere to somewhere. It just flow from, uh, let's say, equity back to cash. And then at some point, they will flow it back, right? Because all this money are sloshing around. Sometimes people are bearish and then they're just flowing around. So he don't think that this market dropped 20%. It just means that the capital is much lesser and hence this is tied to the recession, right? So I think this is his view. Uh, my view is that I don't comment so much on the recession, but I just want to point uh, to Terence is that all this uh, capital or liquidity that is sloshing around, right, it's not a constant amount. Because if there's any movement, any change, right, let's say uh, if uh, recession risks uh, become higher and then there's less uh, mortgage in the, in the economy, right, or so-called less liquidity or less M2, right, if you want to get a measure to talk about it, right, as all this uh, credit generation slow down, less people buying houses. Uh, just take this one as an example. Actually, the liquidity in the market can reduce one. They can drop. So what I try to say is that if the liquidity drop, right, you actually have less uh, uh, money flowing around. And hence, it is not totally... Uh, like as described by Terence, it just flow around. It's not truly, it's, it's not hundred percent true, because uh, if if really people don't don't uh, don't have this optimist view, and then um, like 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 two thousand eight scenarios, uh, housing market drop, right? How ha house price drop, people don't buy sell houses, they people take, don't take up loan, right? Actually, the 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 entire money supply in the economy can calm down one. And that is not as simply as money just flow from equity to cash and then later it can flow it back, right? It's not as simple as that. They could, they could actually uh, uh, could become lesser and lesser. And if that's true, right, then you actually don't have liquidity in the cash that can flow back to equities. You know, but this is quite complicated uh, because we are touching about all this monetary, talking about economy, all these things. And it's not so important because uh, when things change, it's not just one variable that is changing. Usually there are a couple of variables changing at the same time. So it becomes like a very complex kind of interactions. So so not so uh, straightforward. But, but, but the point that I want to point out is just that single point that it's not just flowing. Uh, uh, total credit in the market can go up and down. You just need to look at the M2 measures, right? Like, like during COVID period, the Fed just pump and then the Treasury just uh, keep on doing all this uh, uh, stimulus check, right? What happened is the credit can go up, you know, the money can go up. But whatever they, 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 they have done, right, they can do in reverse. So that's why 
uh, don't say that and, and any credit or any money that has been created won't won't disappear one it's not the case one it's much more complicated than than a simple narrative that people are painting now. yeah okay long long uh, answer again but uh even even for a topic like this, right, I can give my opinion, but I cannot give a very coherent uh, kind of like economic 101 that can address all this, you know, because this is so much complicated than, let's say, uh, looking at specific stocks, you know. Specific stocks, we can still look at like, oh, these are the key points that people are talking about for Netflix. It's so simple. If they can add subscribers from next two or three quarters, right, I can assure you that the share price will go up. <laughs> the, the, the harder part is to, to, to judge whether they can increase subscribers or not, right? That's the harder part. But at least you can pinpoint to a specific area and just comment on that. But when you look at economy that are so big, so complex, um, it becomes very fuzzy kind of uh, discussion. So that's the hard part. Uh. Okay, uh, yeah, 12.30, try to uh, keep it short uh, because I don't want to take up so much of you, you guys' time also. Um, you know, when, when we start doing all this and talk nonstop also, sometimes, you know, uh, the, the noise become much more compared to uh, whatever good takeaways that you can you can take, right? So I, I also don't want to take up so much time now. Okay, thanks a lot for all of you joining here. Uh, actually, I'll say that I, I saw uh, Maximus is here, BDS is here, Martin is here, right? I, I know you guys can share your, your thoughts also, right? So next time, I think if we have any things, any interesting, I reach out to you guys first and then see uh, we have uh, more, how to say, some, some dedicated topics to talk about. Let's say for Maximus, I, I believe you can talk about all these risk topics, right? Then we will have that kind of dedicated sessions rather than me, just one single person uh, chit-chatting, uh, you know, become a DJ radio already. <laughs> I, I prefer to have a more interactive kind of uh, discussion. Uh, but now I, I need to clear up all the questions. Uh. And I'll say for, for today's uh, thanks a lot to Billions for your uh, insightful comments, uh, especially some, uh, you know, some story that you just shared, right? I think people can learn more from all this story than from theory. Theory, you just go open up Wikipedia, anyone can read, right? But usually these are all, all these uh, story, not just story, this is really true incident, uh, a true experience that someone has encountered and they are happy to share with you and you share with us. I think these are something that uh, one one person made a mistake, but you can have thousand people that, that listen in and and can imagine the situation and and can learn from it, right? So I think this is definitely helpful. Uh. Mm, I think that's all for today's um, uh, Miss and Any closing statement that you want to give? If not, we will close the call now, uh. Yeah, nothing. I, I guess uh, in the end, just uh, keep investing, uh. I mean, if you have fifteen years to twenty years time of uh, you know. Uh, runway to invest I guess this is just a little choppy price range um, that we'll see it's just like the ocean when you are in the deep ocean uh, further sailing further away uh, the sea is calmer um, if you are nearer to the shore the wave is always bigger so the further you go um, the longer uh, runway yeah I guess the it's just a price range uh, fluctuation don't, don't get so so emotional about it yeah unless there's some money that you cannot uh, lose then maybe you have to think about your risk appetite and your strategy again yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a good closing statement. There's some echo. Okay, but anyway, we close to today's call already. Uh, if there's any topic that you guys want to chat about, um, we, we can just let me know. We can always schedule session uh, and, and have long discussion on, on any specific topics that you guys are interested. And for today's, thanks a lot for all the joiners here, all the members, and see you guys back to the group. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot and enjoy your Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye.